Fresh Air production. Hello and welcome to Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air Production, and this is the podcast from Fresh Air where we normally spend our time deconstructing a recent project with our clients and producers to see what we, and maybe anyone else thinking of making a podcast, can learn. Except this episode is a little bit different. Today we're going to step back from specific projects and talk about the world of podcasts for brands in general. We now proudly claim to be the leading producer of podcasts for brands in the UK, but podcasts are of course global and the industry is expanding everywhere. The clients we work for could be anywhere in the world and are anywhere in the world, and as with so many media, we keep a close eye on what happens on the other side of the Atlantic. So today for this special episode, I'm going to be joined in conversation by Steve Pratt, the founder of Pacific Content, North America's leading creator of podcasts for brands. Hello, Steve. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Very nice. So, Steve, perhaps if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick introduction to Pacific Content, what you do and where you sit in in the world. Yeah, well, I, I, it's probably, uh, for listeners of this podcast, it's probably like the North American version of Fresh Air Productions. We're a, a podcast company that specializes in working with brands to make original podcasts and kind of help them think and act like media companies and make fantastic podcasts that people love listening to and that are going to help deliver business results. And for those listening in the States or indeed anywhere else who don't know us, Fresh Air is very similar model to Pacific. We work for brands including Audi, Shell, WWF, Hyundai, across the UK, Europe and the Middle East. And exactly as you say, Steve, it's, it's all about helping brands to tell their stories in audio, which is very often a medium that they haven't thought of using before. So the point of all the, of this conversation is that being so similar, the two of us began talking at the start of this year and decided to team up. So as of today, September the 8th, 2021, Pacific Content and Fresh Air have created a new partnership to build podcasts for brands that audiences will love to listen to across the world. We're teaming up to create a truly global centre for podcast expertise and audio storytelling. Steve, perhaps you can explain what on earth that means. What does a partnership between our two companies mean and why did it seem like a good idea? Yeah, I, I just want to say uh, super excited about this and very excited to kind of have this out, out in the world. When I first talked to you, Neil, it was uh, it was like I'd met some kindred spirit of like, oh, you think exactly the same way we do about this. And you really think about delivering success for the clients you work with, but also balancing that really, really well with shows that listeners are actually going to voluntarily listen to because they're so good. So it's, you know, it's that mindset of helping a brand think like a media company and think about creating value for listeners and that that is the way to business success. It's not all that common. And so when, when we first connected, I was like, oh, this is fabulous to, <laughs> to, to talk to Fresh Air. <laughs> we should do something together. And um, Great. You know, we we have a lot of clients that are are global brands and, and multinational brands as they're trying to talk about how the world works or where the world is going, particularly coming out of COVID. And whether it's financial clients or automotive clients or tech clients, you you name it, more and more of our clients are thinking about the stories that are happening around the world and being able to represent those as part of their brand and being able to have teams of people it, you know, it, for you in, in Europe and UK and, and the Middle East and for us in North America, to have 
actual storytellers and, and producers who are who understand how to find that balance between delivering business results and a great story. It just feels like a huge win for all of our clients, uh, first and foremost. I have to admit, it's funny you say that we're very similar from our point of view. That's not an entirely a coincidence. And we made a very specific decision probably four years or so ago to concentrate on branded podcasts. And as you say, really work with brands who wanted to tell their story and, and help them. We were very aware that audio was a medium that lots of brands didn't use. Every every brand knows how they look. Everybody knows what how to make a, a logo or a, a video, but so few know how to work in audio or really tell a good story in audio. So we really decided to focus on that and we could see an opportunity in that. But equally, when we decided that was our focus, we looked across the Atlantic and saw what you were doing. And I will freely admit to stealing at least three or four of your ideas in in, in building fresh air and getting to the point where we are now. So as you say, real kindred spirit, real similarities between what we do and attitudes. And I think the beauty of where we are now is, you know, I mentioned earlier some of the brands that we work with and they are global brands. You you have to have a global voice. You have to, you, if you create a podcast, it's out there in the world. You can't choose who listens to it. Everybody in the world can listen to it. So it it needs to have global expertise behind it. It needs to feel like it's relevant to you wherever in the world that might be. And why would you sort of compartmentalize yourself in one part of the world? You may as well learn from the best out there and try and create a global center of excellence and a global facility that people can come to where we pull all the expertise that we have together. It feels like there's a, you know, almost like two sides of it. So just on the editorial side, even if you weren't making a podcast for a brand, if you're making your own podcast, if you wanted to find the absolute best stories in the world to make the best possible podcast, having amazing people in different areas of the world who can find podcasts all over the world instead of just in one market makes a ton of sense for just finding the best stories and making great shows. But to your point, if you're a global brand and you want to be representative of your customers around the world and to be able to have people hear stories from where they live or from their culture or their area, you know, area of the world, it, it feels like a very smart branding strategy to have a, a diversity of geographic locations where stories can be told from as well. It's tough though, isn't it? Because I think it's, you you naturally speak in a, in a you know, you and I share a language, but we, we have very different global perspectives, I'm sure. And, 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 and very different accents. I'm, I'm a Canadian yes, poser. There is so there you go. <laughs> yes, there is that. That's very Same true. language, very um, different accents. Yeah. And I don't, you know, when we work for a global brand, we think we're creating something that sounds global, but that's because it sounds global to us. If To you, it probably doesn't. It sounds very British. And equally, a podcast that's created in the States sounds somewhat foreign to us. So trying to find something that sounds truly global, trying to create something that sounds truly global is actually a lot harder than it sounds. Yeah, and, and having amazing talent that, you know, I know I said this before, but that understands how to tell great stories, but also to map those stories back against brand values or brand goals. You need a great storyteller, but also somebody who understands, you know, marketing and the client that you're working with to find that that sweet spot. And that's that's a rare skill to find. And I think the fact that both of our teams are, are 
you know, have those those skills in abundance, it's a, a real win to be able to find those stories in, in different markets. So to be clear about it, for those of who are interested in how that partnership will work, to my mind, it's really just about serving clients and making the most of our respective expertise, isn't it? It's our respective perspectives. Not looking to work on everything together, not looking to sort of force people to make use of both sides of the partnership, but when it feels right, when there is an opportunity to tell stories that are truly global and for us to take advantage of the expertise that you have and vice versa, then that's when we'll come together and we'll make something as a partnership. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we, I think the way we always think about everything in podcasting when we decide to do something new is, you know, are we going to make it easier for our clients to find success? You know, to your point, to not force people to do things, but to have a lot of different options when when there's a problem or an issue or an opportunity to be able to say like, hey, we have a great solution for that. I remember, you know, like a number of years ago, we work with a, a research partner called Signal Hill Insights here in, in Canada, and we've known the founder, Jeff Fiddler, for a while from previous lives and coming up with a brand lift study for podcasts that make brands was something that was brand new. And it it is something that is on the menu for every client. And it's, it's a great thing, but it is, um, it makes their lives easier, but it's not, it's not mandated in, in any way, shape or form. When we use chartable, which is a, an attribution measurement tool for podcast marketing or, or any other attribution tool, same thing. It's like, it, Everything that makes the journey easier for our clients to find success, it's there and ready and waiting for a green light. And this feels like any brand that would like to have a broader scope of stories or to be able to have localized versions of shows or stories in different markets, it just feels like such a huge win to have that as an option for everybody. I still feel like everyone in the world who works in podcasting is still really deciding what best practice is. One of the things we have changed specifically in the last few years is that we no longer make pure vanity projects for people. I think we were probably three years ago, really, certainly in the UK, at the point where most of the things that we were making were because podcasts were cool and brands wanted to be first in there before their competitors. And we helped make something exciting and fun to listen to and it made them feel like they were on the crest of this wave but we got to the end of series one and then would kind of say well that was fun and everybody enjoyed it but what did it actually achieve what did it do and that ability to quantify that and the ability to really explain why an investment in podcasting is worth it and can be justified to your superiors when next year's budget comes along why should we do series two that's the biggest change in what we've done over the last few years. You're further down the road, as I say, in the evolution of the market, but you still feel like you're discovering new ways of doing things all the time. Is your approach still evolving? Yeah, 100%. And, th- and this is honestly, this partnership's a great example of, of that. I, I, I feel like almost all of us are in the industry because it's a medium that hasn't fully been invented yet and that we get to at the forefront of helping to figure out how to make it a fantastic medium and and solve the problems that are out there and and try out solutions and see if they work and iterate on them. And I think you know all of us just find that like a hugely satisfying challenge and process to do that. And you know to your point, I think it, you know there's sometimes a, a misconception around companies like ours that were production companies. 
And I think in a way we think of ourselves as a, almost like an, like an end-to-end or a full-stack set of solutions to be able to help find that success. And the production's a big part of it. But to your point, if you don't do the strategy work to figure out what the business problem is and who the target audience is and what success looks like and how that's going to be measured, you know, you can't develop a show that's actually going to deliver on all those things until you know what it is. So, you know, we we have a pretty robust strategy piece up front. And I think that's where you kind of identify not just the show, but what are the other pieces that are going to be vital to the success of the show? And every client is a brand new, interesting puzzle to figure out. But when you do it and you actually see <laughs> that brands are almost predisposed to being more successful at podcasts because they have so many powerful channels elsewhere, it's a really exciting thing. And having great partners to be able to figure out the different solutions for everybody is where a lot of this stuff is going to go. If I go back maybe three years, certainly four years, I had to start every meeting by explaining what a podcast was. So I, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. And then there was a tipping point where marketing people listened to podcasts themselves and therefore got it. So they got it as a medium. They understand why it works for them. They understand why they're hooked on it. They've thought about what value it can bring to the brand. They've thought about why it's different from making a video. More and more businesses are thinking about how they can stand out from the crowd. There is starting to be some competition as to who can make something more interesting. And that opens up briefs, doesn't it, for how you can play with the medium. How can you experiment with it, make something that really stands out from the crowd? Especially as a brand with a marketing budget and with these channels, it's so much easier to have a differentiated format than somebody independently making a podcast on their own because you have the resources and the budgets to be able to do that. And it's it's such a shortcut to standing out in the market. And it, you know, something as basic as adding a narrative layer or having some sound design and, and music or having multiple guests and, and editing your show. Like they're, like they're, they're not, you know, there's a wide range of different ways to, to differentiate, but I, I just wanted to call it out. Cause I, I, mm. I feel like that is the, the, almost the number one thing in that strategy work is look at all the different shows that are out there in the space that you want to be in or the space you want to talk in, what's the show that only you can make as a brand? And what are the things that you're bringing to the table that are going to be that differentiator that are going to help you stand out? And then what are the ways that only you can market that show and get it in front of all those people? It's a storytelling medium, isn't it? It's a, you and I know that audio is a great medium for that because we've been working in it forever. But there's a lot of people in, in brand storytelling who have never thought in audio before. And being able to help them tell those stories in audio is a that's where the joy comes from as you say i i i think there is a perception that sometimes branded podcasts can be a bit dirty or a bit mercenary or you know you're there as a creating a piece of corporate propaganda in audio form it's never felt like that to me at all it's always felt a much more creative space and you know we're there to push people in that direction aren't we I feel if we made something that sounded like that, we we failed. Yeah, you know, like we like we failed if we make something that sounds like that because no one wants to listen to it. And and if you make a show and no one listens to it, there there goes the branded podcast industry. <laughs> um, so I almost feel like it's our responsibility, uh, you know, both of our companies and everybody else in the space, to advocate for 
you know, not only for the client's success and to give them hard truth sometimes around like where this is not going to work for listeners, but to, to keep the listener first and foremost, because they're, that's the ultimate win is, is when, you know, when a listener spends 25 minutes of full engaged time over and over and over again with a brand, that's where relationships develop. That's where brand values are communicated over and over again. It, it's interesting, like when we, you know, as, as more and more brands get more comfortable and more sophisticated in thinking about podcasting, I think everybody is starting to understand that podcasts are not a reach medium the same way that social media or that TV or, or radio are. It's it's an engagement medium. And when you can get these huge chunks of time, like if you can get an 85, 95% completion rate on a half hour episode, you can't get that anywhere else. And, and it is because of the power of great storytelling. And it is because you're having people picture things happening in their minds and feeling emotions. That stuff you can't get anywhere else. And it, I, I think until you actually become more familiar with podcasts, your point for, for brands that haven't done it. That's the hard part to understand. And once the light turns on, that, that that's the opportunity if you do it well. I, th I think almost every marketer would say that that's an enormous, enormous opportunity. The light turning on is a fascinating thing. I've seen it twice this week of having a wash up at the end of series one. And everyone sits around and we talk about what went well and we talk about what didn't go well and what we could improve on. But what's fundamentally changed is they really really get it at that point you know when you've made your first series and it may only be a six-parter or a ten-parter but you've you've done all the hard work you've created something you're really proud of it's very often it's a small team within a brand marketing department who've decided they've persuaded someone to release a bit of budget to create a podcast let's just give this a go we'll find someone out there who can you know, help us make it, which is when they knock on our door. And we sort of hold their hand through the process. And at the end of series one, you really feel it fly. You really feel it, it like we get this now. Senior management get it. There is a, a, an engagement there and a community in this audience that we can't get anywhere else. And we understand how to take this forward. We want to put more marketing budget behind it. We want to really shout about it because that series one is just about building the confidence in the medium and understand how you work in that medium and then series two is so exciting and you you're no longer having to sell it internally it's so funny you say that because there's like another total similarity between our, our companies like every time we talk there's some other thing we're like oh it's exactly the same for us that that piece that it is someone on a small team who is sticking their neck out because they think that a podcast is a good idea or they're a podcast fan I almost feel like half of our job in that first season is to make that person. It's validating uh, that decision. You know, look it? great inside their their own. Yeah, their their own company, and and to help them figure out how to navigate to get a podcast approved, and you know, almost help them knock down the barriers inside the company to to find success with it. And then at the end of it, to be able to give people that wrap report where it's like you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are waiting for your next episode. And you own that audience, like it's yours. You can talk to them whenever you want. As long as you keep doing valuable things that are a great use of their time and attention, they're going to keep staying with you. That, To me, that's like an enormously satisfying outcome out of a seasonal one where you, you know somebody is working with a company they've never worked with before in a medium they've never worked in before, doing something really bold and brave and, and you know, 
not making an ad and not making an infomercial. It, it always pays off, but it, it is always a wonderful feeling at the end of the first season. And when you look over this side of the Atlantic, when you look at what's going on here, do you see that there is a, a difference in how either brands behave or in how audio works outside North America? Or do you think it's all one and the same, that it, that you can create truly global audio work? Well, it's interesting because our, our company is actually based in Canada. We're, uh, we're mostly Canadian. Uh, <laughs> and I, th- I think there are probably more parallels between the European market and Canada in terms of being a few years behind where the, the U.S. market is. I would say 95% of our work is in the U.S. with U.S. brands. And that, so we have a really interesting vantage point on the you know, where the, a little bit of the lag is in there. I feel like the, the U S market is always a little bit bolder in taking risks and going for it and saying, we're going to spend the right amount to have the right impact on it. And I think, I I don't know whether you would agree or not, but I, I think the Canadian market is usually like, let's wait and see if it works in the States before we decide to do it. And maybe we'll do a cautious first season before we really go for it. Uh, in the next one. And I think we're kind of getting to that point where the, the Canadian market is, is showing a lot of signs of of saying, okay, we're ready to do this now. And, uh, I think any brand almost honestly at, at almost any level could have a successful podcast. As long as you're saying, you know, are you going to make a real show? Are you going to make a show that is valuable and, and worthy of the time and attention of, of the audience you want to reach? And are you going to actually commit to marketing the show and putting in front of those people? We work with some very small companies with some very, very focused target audiences where, you know, 5,000 listens is a huge win for exactly the right people. And we have shows where, you know, there's it downloads into six figures is is the goal on it. And I, I, I think, you know, maybe that's another one of the perception issues of podcasting. You know, when we talk about it, is it a reach medium or not, it's brands are coming into it for different reasons than everybody else where it's not about selling advertising and having reach as the first most important metric. It's, are we talking to the right people and who are those right people? And let's make sure we're making a a really fabulous show for them. And if you can do that, I think a a brand wins all day long if it's aligned with their their business goals and their brands. It's great. It's quite exciting too. Like right now, because the the States have, we've been doing this for, I know, eight, eight years with us clients, we have a huge catalog of best practices where, you know, things that seemed bold at first are now table stakes. And, you know, it's like, Mm. guess what? Mozilla used the Firefox browser to promote their podcast. Charles Schwab uses their website and their app and their branches, physical branches to market their podcast. Dell's hired Walter Isaacson to host their podcast. That's an amazing level of confidence, isn't it? It's an amazing level of of, of all of full company buy-in to the idea of a podcast. Yeah, and then when you can show that this is what everybody else is doing to every new client, it sets the bar higher. It, it you know, and and I and it's not a, as a form of pressure. It's just like this is actually how you succeed. Like doing something halfway isn't going to deliver the results you want. Have the if you're going to do it, jump in with both feet. This is what biggest most successful brands on the planet are doing and they're finding success with it so um it's not like you're you have to go first anymore it's you you can learn the lessons of the people who've already found success in in this medium do you not think that's a uniquely american concept though of of just being an american audience is is so wired to 
hearing brand messages in everything they do, you know, being bombarded with brand messages. And one of the things in the UK particularly, we have always been lucky to have the BBC. We're very used to unbranded, high-quality audio and high-quality, you know, unbranded media. And, and, and that's true across Europe, lots of very strong national broadcasters. And therefore, you're kind of used to high-quality media without necessarily always having a brand attached. Is there is there a boldness that brands in the States have that is difficult to translate elsewhere? Or do you think that's just, as you say, good practice? Don't be sheepish about it. Just go out and shout about it. Well, it's interesting. Like, I have to say, I think... The, I think the the differentiation I would make is that if it is coming as like we made this show, we made this show. It's our brand. It's our brand. It's not going to work. Your your goal using your marketing channels as a brand is here's a fantastic show and sell the show and sell the content of the show. It happens to be made by us, but that's actually not the key message. You know, like I think if if HBO is going out to market a new season of, of, of Game of Thrones or Curb Your Enthusiasm or whatever it is, it's not HBO, HBO, HBO. It's like sell Game of Thrones is coming back and everybody knows where it is. And oddly, you know, Game of Thrones does not have HBO executives walking around as characters in the show talking about the merits <laughs> of HBO. Uh, yeah. It's its own show. And and everybody knows where it comes from and they love HBO for making those shows. But that process of, of thinking like a media company and making a real show, I think that's the part that almost every brand has some hurdle getting over with the first time they do it as a comfort level. And I, I think that is probably a global phenomenon for for most brands i'm sure that i mean the temptation to just talk about your brand all the time is obviously there i I always say that the the takeout you want is i've got 20 minutes half an hour of dead time i'm going on a run i'm going to be in the car and i'm going to use this time to improve myself or be entertained or have a laugh or you know inform myself about a topic and at the end of that i'm just grateful for that brand for having made it I'm grateful that I, that piece of content exists because that brand created it. Yeah, it's funny. Like the the best example we have of that is, uh, I mean, there's lots of great examples, but I, I just, I, I love the Choiceology show that we make with with Charles Schwab, uh, kind of a, a financial uh, investing uh, corporation here in, in North America. Uh, so they make a show called Choiceology, which is about kind of the behavioral science of decision-making, like how to make better decisions. Every episode is is kind of around a cognitive bias, you know, or a blind spot that we all have that leads us to make bad decisions. And there are amazing stories about how these things have, have affected people's lives. 100% all those things will help you with your investing decisions, but none of the stories are ever about investing decisions. It is really a gift from Charles Schwab. It's a very light touch, but... You know, people people are rated five stars. They say it's one of their favorite shows. They listen to it multiple times because they learn so much from it. That's kind of what the gold standard is: is when people treat, when listeners treat it like this is one of my favorite shows. It happens to come from Charles Schwab. Fantastic. So we have the opportunity here to create, as we said earlier, an absolutely sort of global center of excellence for podcasting for brands. I absolutely cannot wait to take those briefs to work together on developing sharing expertise developing new ways of thinking about podcasts on both sides of the atlantic and really helping brands to tell stories that can apply 
anywhere in the world. It's a really, really exciting time, Stephen. I'm, I'm chuffed to bits that we're teaming up with you. We are thrilled to be working with you too. And uh, I can't wait to start doing more global podcasts. It's exciting. It's going to be great. So that wraps up our special episode of Fresh Ears. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to find out about either of us and start creating that truly global piece of audio storytelling, you can get in touch. We are freshairproduction.co.uk. Steve is at pacific-content.com. Thank you very much to Steve. We very much look forward to this new era in podcasting. Fresh Air.